It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back, everybody. JT on our final show of the week, man. Long week here. Long week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I got a lot to get to. Uh, Stories from last night. We're previewing the Raiders draft, and Bobby is working his tail off as we're booking ahead for next week and trying to wrap up our mock draft coverage in advance of the draft. And then the Thursday of the draft, when the draft goes live, Globally, we'll be on and being streamed live from the Raiders team facility from 3 to 5 p.m. Before I head over to uh, some Raider events here in town. The Black Hawks having a big draft party. Also, I should be doing something around that time locally with my show. i got to figure that out still. But there's a lot going on. So we're going to be very busy. Please keep it here to Raider Nation Radio. We'd love you to be involved with the draft any way you can on that Thursday and Friday. There's two days of the draft. Remember, the Raiders are loaded up in day two of the draft with all the draft picks that they got, depending if they're going to use some of those picks to trade up into the first day. So this is going to be an important Thursday-Friday draft for the Raiders because it's a double whammy here. they got to go big on both days, and we'll be covering it here. And all of our shows here on the lineup will be ready for it all, and we don't know what's going to happen. It could be super, super exciting, or maybe they trade back a little bit, get best players available. We don't know. You don't know. We're going to have a blast talking about it and what could happen coming up here. So last night, really cool night here for me in my neighborhood. I went to the Aviators game with two of my buddies, and we had a great time. Uh, thanks to the Aviators, Jim, Jim Gemma came on earlier this week. They were playing Salt Lake, and we had seats behind the third base dugout. Beautiful night, a little chilly at the end of the game, near the end of the game. But we were there, and the ball was flying out of the ballpark. There were two home runs by Salt Lake, and I don't know who the name of the players are, but one went off the back wall in center field and one went almost out of the stadium to right field, right by the side of the pool. We looked up, and it's it was like Aaron Judge was hitting home runs there. The ball was flying out. The music was great. $2 beer night bumped into some listeners and some friends at $2 beer night. That line goes fast. Everybody's having a good time. So we had a blast. Again, Aviator games are fantastic. It got a little cool late in the game. We left in about the seventh inning because we were looking at our phones at the Golden Knights game. So we wanted to make sure we watched the third period. And what's so good about an Aviators game at Las Vegas Ballpark is you can just walk right to Red Rock, right there, Red Rock Casino. So we walked right there, five-minute walk coming out of that. And we walked to the sports book and had a Modelo. Got to get Modelo in here because I'm having my bucket of Modellos later on today. So we're sitting there watching it in the sports book, 
and Vegas 1-1, then it's 2-1, and we're on the edge of our seat. And the whole resort, the casino, the sports book, the dealers, the bartenders were all locked in. It was really cool to see that. And then the deflection, the final goal. Let's play the final call here because this is a big moment in the history of this franchise as the Las Vegas, our Vegas Golden Knights, have advanced to the number one seed in the Western Conference. Here's how it sounded. The horn sounds, and this game is over. The race for the Pacific Division is over, and the race for Western Conference supremacy is over. The Golden Knights are number one in the Western Conference for the first time in franchise history. They record their third Pacific Division championship. So that's so cool. So excited. And who would have thought before the season started that this team, with Mark Stone's injury, with Robin Leonard and his issues and goal, before they got Jonathan Quick, as they were moving goalies in and out, trying to stay healthy, like any hockey team, a bunch of injuries. Alec Martinez, who had a game winner in Game 7 for the Kings, a great part of the Golden Knights. He gets the game-winning goal to secure the West. Fantastic. So Vegas wins the Pacific, and now they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. We have Winnipeg coming up here, which will be really interesting to see. I think that's a series that Vegas is going to have to put them away quickly. Because in that bracket with Edmonton and the Kings, you want to have some rest going into that Edmonton-Kings series. I would assume Edmonton's going to win. And then if you look at the way it plays out on the bottom of that bracket, it's not going to be easy, but it's easier than trying to go through the East. And we've been saying that with Boston having one of the greatest seasons, the most points in the history of the NHL. Let that sink in. You don't want to have to play the Boston Bruins early in the playoffs, but we want to play the Boston Bruins, and the only chance we can is in the Stanley Cup final. So I think the road is easier than the East, clearly, because if Vegas was in the East, they wouldn't be anywhere near a one seed or a two seed. I think the teams in the Eastern Conference are better than the Western Conference, other than Vegas that could hang with some of these Eastern teams. But the East, Tampa Bay and the Devils and Carolina, Boston, it's loaded, and it's going to be a war of attrition over there, and the same could happen here in the Western Conference. But I think Bruce Cassidy did an unbelievable job. Think of this for a second. The head coach of Vegas was the head coach of Boston. That Boston team, if they would have left him alone and didn't let him go, imagine what could have happened. He was a great coach on a great team. The fact that they couldn't get through and win the Stanley Cup, they let him go and we get him in Vegas. So Cassidy's got his hands on Boston's entire roster, and he's got his hands on what happened this year with Vegas. That's a hell of a coach. And there's been good coaches here in Vegas from Gerard Gallant and Peter DeBoer. These are big names in hockey. And now with Cassidy, his only goal is to win the cup because that's why he's not with Boston anymore. So with all that happening, it's tremendous to me. So when we get into hockey going forward, what I think is really important for this town is that every, we got games Tuesday and Thursday. And I was texting with my friend Roxy Bernstein, the great broadcaster, and he's going to be on the call for game one. So we got a game on Tuesday and Thursday and got to step up and win those games at home. Not split them, got to win them both, go to Winnipeg, win one out of the two there, come home, put it away in five. A sweep would be nice, but I'm not going to be as cocky to say they're going to sweep teams along the way. It's hockey. You know, one bad puck bounce can change everything. But this is critical that Vegas gets some easy work early in the playoffs. And in hockey, normally that doesn't happen. So that's where we stand there, and I'm pretty excited to talk about that and then what should happen here is that every night that they play Tuesday Thursday Saturday weekend 
the whole city should come alive. Watch parties with all of our partners here. We've got a lot of watch party opportunities, and we'll tell you all about that, and hopefully Vegas is winning. And if we can just get to the Western Conference Final, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, but just to get to the Western Conference Final, that means two-week blocks. If you believe in these seven games going six or seven, those are two-week blocks of us having something to talk about and something to entertain us here in town. I say that about the NBA playoffs. In the NBA playoffs, everybody wants to see the Warriors play the Lakers. A lot of people want to do that. Well, for the Warriors, they got to go through a pretty good team in Sacramento. Sacramento was much better than the Warriors this year, but everybody assumes the Warriors are going to flip the switch and advance. And the Lakers, by getting by the Wolves and advancing to the seventh seed, they're playing the two-seed Minnesota, a better team. But everybody wants to see the two core teams of the Lakers and the Warriors play. For us, we're going to get that pretty early in hockey if Vegas advances, and so does Edmonton. You know, we'll get a series with Connor McDavid, the best player in hockey by far, and hopefully Mark Stone could come back around that time, and Jack Eichel's playing well, and maybe those guys can kind of erase each other on the scoreboard, and Vegas, the better team, can win. I don't know. They were barely separated by a point or two here, so it's going to be close to see that. But the playoffs are here, and we're excited, and I I hope the whole city comes alive as we continue on. All right, I want to jump also back into a couple of the headlines that happened. You know, everybody's been asking me, or a couple of people have, about what I know about Jalen Carter's visit with the Raiders. I know nothing. Go to Ian Rappaport for that. Go to Tom Palacero. He was here. They worked him out, and now the Raiders are starting to get to a position where people think that he might drop to them at number seven. I don't think he's going to drop to number seven. I think that uh, Jalen Carter will go number five to Seattle. Now, what if the Raiders love him? Would they trade up to get him? No, I don't think they'd trade up to get a defensive player. I don't believe they would, but if they did, this would be the guy if they fell in love with and they think he's that good can potentially go after. So I've been saying from day one, I think the Raiders are going to get a cornerback. I think the cornerback is going to be the best fit. The corner is going to be Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon. One of those two players are going to fall to the Raiders there, especially if the quarterbacks go one through four. But what's going to happen with the defensive players once they start coming off the board? Because you always hear about these quarterback visits, right? The quarterback visits are the big visits. Hey, this quarterback's coming in today. Or this quarterback's coming in tomorrow. No, no, no. The big decision is what's going to happen with the Raiders because the Raiders don't need a quarterback. Maybe they'd like a quarterback, but they don't need one. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo was brought in. Jimmy Garoppolo was brought in for that reason alone. So I believe that the Raiders who are securing a defensive player, hopefully, with that seventh pick overall, with that being said, the defensive players that are there, I think there's three. And they probably will go in that order, too, which makes it amazing to me. The order could be Jalen Carter, and then it could go the two corners back-to-back. And a lot of mock drafts have that, and the Raiders are right in the middle of that discussion. So being in the middle of that discussion is significant for the silver and black because they're going to get a great defensive player. The question is, what will the fit be? And if they do get a quarterback, I don't think they can wait at seven. I think they're going to have to trade up and go get that position player there. So will the Raiders trade up? Will the Raiders stay? Will the Raiders go down? No idea, but I think by staying at number seven, the silver and black is guaranteed to get a starting defensive player who can jump in and do some great things. And Jalen Carter just feels like a little bit of a risk as he was trending today. I I picked up my phone, and I'm looking at this, and the first thing I saw from pro football focus was should the Jets trade up for Jalen Carter? 
and they had a proposed uh, proposed trade here. And then I saw a couple of scouts putting out some film on this guy, which is incredible to see. And then I saw a mock draft came in, which I couldn't believe this one. Uh, let me see his name again. Scott Karasik. I'm not familiar with Scott Karasik. But he put out a mock draft, and his mock draft, look at this. He has his top eight. This is unbelievable. The number one pick for Scott Karasik, Carolina takes Anthony Richardson. What? what? That feels like the Raiders taking Jamarcus Russell. And Anthony Richardson's going to be better than Jamarcus Russell. But that just jumped out at me. Carolina, that big, wanting to move up from 9-1 to one to take Anthony Richardson. Then this guy has Houston at number two, taking Bryce Young. Indy, trading with Arizona to go up one spot, would get C.J. Stroud. At number four, Arizona would take Will Anderson. At number five, Jalen Carter to Seattle, which many mock drafts have, by the way. Many mock drafts have Jalen Carter dropping to Pete Carroll at five. We talked about that yesterday. Pete Carroll has been able to handle all different types of players who have had problems in the past. This could be perfect for Seattle. At number six, Detroit takes Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher. And then at number seven, no drum roll, please. The Las Vegas Raiders take quarterback Will Levis. And that would be the only scenario I see of a quarterback being left for the Raiders. Will Levis at seven. Because I think Bryce Young is going to go one. I think C.J. Stroud's going to go two or flip him. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. And then it's going to be interesting at number four. If Indy thinks they have to move up to get Anthony Richardson, if Anthony Richardson goes number four or it goes number three because Indy trades up, as we've been talking about for two weeks, then the Raiders could sit back. And I think with the draft order, they could go get the quarterback, Will Levis. But they'd have to park him. They have to develop him behind Jimmy G. And the Raiders miss out on a stud defensive player. And I don't want to see him miss out on a stud defensive player as of today for a player like Will Levis. But that's Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's expertise. Taking a look at these quarterbacks and saying, you know something? They're not ready to play, but we can't afford not to get one now. And a lot of people are taking the bait on that in these mock drafts. I've been giving you every one, and we got the heavyweights coming up next week. Heavyweights are lining up all next week and the week after that as we count down to the Raiders pick in the draft. 702-365-9200 on a beautiful day today. Thanks again to the Aviators for last night. And as we talked about in the first hour, we'll continue to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. Congratulations to the entire organization. They are Pacific Division champions and the number one seed out West. As I tweeted out how the West was won. Congratulations to VGK as we continue Friday. Bucket of Modelo's Friday right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Derek takes the snap, back to pass, looking right, pressure, lost, far corner of the end zone, open receiver, touchdown Foster Morrow, touchdown Raiders, back right corner of the end zone, he ran under it to grab it from six yards out, and now the Raiders with a chance to tie the game here in Seattle. Good to have you back here as we continue Friday on Raider Nation Radio. 
And thanks for listening on the Raiders mobile app. We thank all of our proud partners, including the DeCastaverde Law Group. As I've been texting back and forth with Alex DeCastaverde, call him, 702-222-9999. If you get into an accident with all the cones out here, all the insane drivers, all the tourists coming into the city who don't know how to drive in Vegas, all the cones, everything that's happening. And I will tell you one other thing I wanted to share with you. One of the gentlemen I went to the Aviators game last night with He's a good friend of mine, and he's in the police world. He's in and around the police world. He's not a police officer, but he's in that world. I'll leave it at that. And he told me that at this point, his opinion is at night, four out of every 10 drivers in Vegas is drunk or over the limit. And I looked at him, and I said, do tell. What do you say? He goes, well, that's typically what it is. He goes, when Metro pulls over, if they do a really big pullover where they're trying to figure out the numbers there, four out of 10 people in this town. Or drinking and driving. Think of that number, what I just told you. And it sounds right, doesn't it? This is at night. This is in the evening. And still, people during the day, we have a lot of different shifts and people getting off work and doing these long shifts and having a pop and going having a beverage. Think of that when you're driving. I have two young sons here. That's why I want them home earlier at night. Because when you're on the roads late at night, the numbers go up with these DUIs in town here. Don't drink and drive. That's why we have ride chairs and taxis. Do not drink and drive. If you get into an accident, someone hits you as they're drinking or makes a bad decision, call the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. So my wife today had to get up real early to go to Oklahoma. It's my son's final mom's weekend. That's one thing. I wanted to share this with everybody. A little storytelling time. A lot of your kids might have went to college already. I'm in that wheelhouse now. I got two in college. And maybe your kids are young and they're going to go to college from now. If your kids go to school out of state like both of mine, good luck. Okay, because you got to add in the travel and you got to add in, you know, the fraternity expenses and tuition and all that food. I got two young boys who are big kids. Food is enormous, but the hidden cost in all of this is going to visit them or them coming back because you got to get an airline ticket all the time. So my wife's up early today, excited. It's her final mom's weekend. As a freshman, she went, met a bunch of moms when my son pledged his fraternity and now they're all graduating. We're going back in May. So my wife was up getting ready early this morning, and we had on Good Morning America, and Michael Strahan was on, and he said, coming up, our conversation with Foster Moreau, and I said, ooh, Foster Moreau, the Raider tight end, recent Raider tight end, who's got a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and we know the situation there and what's happening with him, and it's a big story. So we watched this, and it was unbelievable. Michael Strahan led this piece By talking to Foster Moreau, I put out a tweet ahead of time, and then I put out a tweet of the interview, but I thought we'd play it here for some inspiration on a Friday heading into the weekend. Once a Raider, always a Raider. This is from Good Morning America earlier today. Michael Strahan sat down with Foster Moreau. We're back now with our GMA cover story. It's been a little over three weeks since 25-year-old NFL tight end Foster Moreau announced a diagnosis with Hodgkin lymphoma. He and I sat down to talk about the moment that changed everything and how he's preparing to tackle this battle. Caught for the touchdown, Moreau! 25-year-old tight end Foster Moreau, an NFL free agent, was shopping for a new team, getting physicals to assess his health and fitness. That's when Dr. John Amos, a New Orleans Saints physician, discovered a lump in Moreau's neck. He sat me down and he goes, you've heard of Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? And uh, say, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, from the tests that we see, that could be a strong possibility. 
Further testing confirmed Dr. Amos's suspicion. You get told that you have Hodgkin lymphoma. What went through your mind when you heard that? I mean, I, I felt strong. I felt like I was running well. I mean, my off-season training was going just fine. And um, then he tells me something's there that I, I could have never imagined, and it rocks my world. His mother sitting next to him. You said after the diagnosis, for the first time in many, many years, I cried in my mom's arms. You know, uh, it's hard. It's hard. And um, at a time where none of us could do anything other than be with loved ones and, and pray, um, she was instrumental. You had noticed the, the lump before? I did. I did. Here and there. I just, I didn't think it was anything. I thought it was, I thought I was coming down with a cold. I'd say to anyone who doesn't want to get a checkup, afraid to see your doctor, afraid to take whatever test you got to take, it's not going to change the outcome, right? It's better to know than now I can attack it the right way. And have doctors shared their prognosis with you? It looks positive. It's at stage two, so it's spread from the initial location. Um, but it appears to be a slow spread, and um, we should be, able to, should be able to get rid of all of it. While he prepares to begin his treatment in the next two weeks, Moreau felt it was his responsibility to share this very personal battle. I know this is a hard thing um, for you to talk about, but what made you want to do this interview? This happens to everyone all the time in every walks of life every day. Um, so for me to have the gall to think that I could get up here and be inspirational, I don't think that I could do that. I think that there's children in the children's hospital that are far more inspirational. Truthfully, I've had some smart people in my corner who've told me, look, regardless, you're gonna get up and you're gonna inspire millions. And that's just a part of what God's put on your shoulders. Let's control what we can control. And let's have a lot of fun doing it. One of the best ways I think you can deal with the things that are thrown at you in life is your attitude. Certainly. You said, by the time that first chemotherapy session starts, I'll be like Sunday morning, waking up and getting ready to kick somebody's you-know-what. You said you didn't say you-know-what, but you know what you said. But it sounds like you are preparing for this like it's game day. It is. It is. I mean, for me, there's, there's no other way to look at it, right? So I'm preparing for my opponent, right? Hodgkin's lymphoma, chemotherapy. I'm preparing for being on an IV for six, seven, eight hours, whatever it takes, right? Because, I mean, there's no other option. There's no option. And you only have a finite amount of time on this earth. Um, for me, I'm gonna make it count. And right now, making it count is whoop it up on cancer's butt. We know you're gonna beat this. I want you to know we all got your back. We all got your back, man. Thank you. Moreau's status as a free agent was a blessing in disguise. The cancer might not have been caught when it was if he hadn't been undergoing physicals for different teams during the free agency signing period. His story is a powerful reminder to all of us that if something feels off, go to a doctor. Do not ignore it. He's 25 years old, prime of his career, feels great, feels healthy, and would never have imagined this could happen to him. So if something is not right, as we said, as we watched at George, Go to the doctor. He had a lot of grace in that response, though. Yeah, well, incredible young man, and we know he's going to be okay. Good. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Michael. As you can tell, that was pretty cool. That was very emotional, and I agree with blessings in disguise. I, I do. I believe that something good could happen for a reason because we so see so much bad in the news. No matter if you turn on cable news, which is 
insanity. I watch the national news at night. I don't think it has a liberal spin or anything. I watch the headlines on the national news every night. Because where are the tornadoes? Where are the hurricanes? Where are the national stories? Okay, I don't think that's, it's the evil giving me bad news. And then when I turn on the morning shows, which is rare, whenever you see something on the morning shows, Good Morning America, the Today Show, CBS This Morning, and it's sports related, it's usually inspiring or it doesn't make it on those morning block shows. So what do we take away from Foster Moreau? Obviously, once a Raider, always a Raider. Loved in this community. The fact that he was going to go to New Orleans, and I think it's a lock for him to be a saint because of Derek Carr there. They find out with the lump in his neck, and maybe they save his life. As you can tell in the piece, the audio, they're ahead of this at stage two. It's slow moving, and with all the treatment there, and he's a big, tough football player, and a little kid could have this, and I'll get to that in a minute. You could fight through this with early detection. So what they did after that, too, is they've talked about early detection, going to a doctor, make sure you continue to keep your doctor checkups and go there to save your life if something like this could happen. What happens if that New Orleans trainer doctor doesn't see this? and they sign him, and they don't know about this, and then it's stage three or stage four down the road. So this is a blessing in disguise. I think it's very spiritual. We're all play- praying for Foster Moreau. He's got a home out here, a community out here, and everybody, if you bump into him or if you say hashtag Foster Strong, whatever you want to do, do something nice today on this because I thought that feature was tremendous, and Michael Strahan was moved. At the end of this, and I think Michael's really a good broadcaster, and he saw the gravity of this story and went to interview him and brought that back to the masses at Good Morning America. Wow, that's an important thing to take away on this Friday, right? We're sitting here talking about sports and hockey and the draft and positive things overall, but then there are stories that are bigger, much bigger than sports, and this was one of them earlier today. Foster's a hell of a player. You know, we had Darren Waller here, and now we have two different tight ends also proving that this is a business. No matter how good you are, other teams might want you or the team you're with might want to go in a different direction. But Foster Moreau is going to be coming back to the Raiders for decades. I can guarantee you that, knowing the alumni department here and knowing Mark Davis so well, Foster Moreau will be a Raider for the rest of his life. We just hope he can get through this process quickly. He could be cancer-free and he can move on. And as he said, he's going to inspire millions. Happy that he knows that as he's going through this. So the one thing I wanted to share about this in my book, The Handoff, where I was a chemo partner provider, a partner for my mentor at the time, Andrew Ashwood, who had terminal cancer. And we would go to these chemo sessions and we would get there and we were at City of Hope in Los Angeles. And my job on these chemo sessions was to be his voice. The big guy looked like John Candy with a beard. He started off you know, 350 pounds. When he passed away at the end, he was under 180 pounds. And I was with him on the journey, and I went to pretty much the majority of his chemo sessions. And he would have his laptop out, and he'd be doing work. He's the vice president of Fox Sports Radio. A big job. A lot of talent, a lot of people that needed to know what was going on, and he couldn't do that. I was the portal. I was, I was the guy I was going to talk to, other than his immediately, immediate family, all his friends, uh, all my coworkers, when they asked, how's Andrew doing, they wouldn't text him or call him. They were told not to. They were told to go through JT. And I didn't mind that because I do that still to this day. I'm on Texas with my friends all the time. But the point I wanted to share with you is one of the sessions that we have, and it's in my book called Gorilla Power, and get pretty emotional with this, is that there was a day that we went to a chemo session and we were in the waiting room. And there was 25 people in the waiting room. 
So normally the cancer patient and their partner, their chemo partner. And we were in there and we look across the room and there was a little boy. And a little boy had to be seven or eight years old. And Andrew's a big guy at this time and it's early in his fight. And Andrew stood up and walked across the room to this little boy and stood over him. And he was with his mom and he's trying to make him laugh. And he goes, give me your hand. And the little boy gives him his hand. And Andrew's hands look like catcher's mitts. They were massive. And he put his hands around this little boy's hands and said, I'm the gorilla. His nickname was the gorilla. He goes, I'm giving you all my gorilla power right now. It's coming from me and it's going right into you. Can you feel it? And the little boy's smiling going, yeah. And he goes, okay, so you're going to go in there and you're going to beat this because you're going to have the gorilla power. And he walked back across the waiting room and I'm there and I look up and I go, wow. I go, tell me why you did that. And he said, I did that because I'm okay. I'm a grown man. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to win. He's a little boy. He has no idea what's happening behind those doors. And he's going in, and I wanted to give him some inspiration. So I had a chapter in my book called that, Gorilla Power, and it stays with me today. And when I saw Foster Moreau today, I was thinking about the power he has as a football player to go to his treatments, chemo, radiation, whatever it's going to be, and he's going to be anonymous in that room, but hopefully he sees a young boy or girl there, and he gravitates to that child and helps him the way Andrew Ashwood did. Andrew eventually lost the fight, but that journey changed my life. And when we wrote the book, The Handoff, with my co-author, Alan Eisenstock, it was about everything he handed off to me, not only in those chemo sessions, but in life, to pass on to other people. And I think I'm doing that right now by sharing this story with you. That was part of the book and part of what Andrew meant. Once we knew we weren't going to win the fight and he couldn't beat it and he had terminal cancer, we had our final sessions, our final conversations, and he told me what to talk about through him the rest of my life. And that's one of the stories. Pass it on. Hand it off to others. And I know Foster Moreau is going to hand off his spirit and his fight to others and inspire many. Friday, as we continue on with our mock draft lookbacks coming up, one more from earlier in the week as we continue. And next week, the heavy push as the silver and black count down in Vegas for the NFL draft. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio. All right, how's everybody feeling heading into the weekend? Beautiful Friday here as we wrap it up here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio, appreciate everybody listening. Want to thank a couple of friends together here. What's cool about this job is when you have a couple of partners that we work together with, with remotes, Remy Martin with Resorts World. Resorts World with Remy Martin. So proud of those relationships. And also the Black Hole along with Modelo. So we're going to be doing a lot with the Black Hole coming up here. Their draft party. It's coming. Everybody's asking me, how do I get to a draft party? Black Hole has a draft party. Details coming next week. Everything they're going to be doing at the Palms. I'm one of the originators at the Palms, dating back to the Maloofs. So whenever there's an event at the Palms, that's kind of cool. So Modelo, the Buck and Modelo's on ice after going to the Aviators game last night. And the combination of Modelo and the Black Hole Cisco, my buddy Mark, obviously great friends, Gorilla Rilla, Senor, Violator. You take a look at everybody who hangs around the black hole, who's ever been in the black hole. All I say is when you go to the black hole website, just sign up. Be a part of the black hole. Uh, do what I've done in my life. Go to a Raider game. 
and make sure the black hole is a part of your experience. How could that experience be for you? I don't know. You could talk to the black hole at the tailgate. You can sit with them at the game, and you can learn about the history of the Raiders because the black hole guys now who are in Vegas and the guys who are here are connected to the Oakland black hole. We lost a great Rob Rivera, my brother, one of my favorite people of all time, a man who had a big impact on my life in more ways than one, Raiders, but especially the black hole. And now that we're doing some stuff together here on the radio to help the black hole promote their parties, their draft parties, their membership, uh, what they're going to do on game day in J-Lot. I can't wait to get back to that. My sons love it too. And my son's now home from college. They'll come to games or my wife, and we'll stop by the J-Lot in the black hole. We'll get some food. We'll have a beverage. We'll toast to Rob Rivera. It's always a tradition and go inside. Then I host a pregame show. And it's always a great start to the day. So I'm excited about that as we continue on here. So some announcements coming up next week. And one thing about the Black Hole, they're very inclusive. So they want new members and they want their old members to come together at these viewing parties and have a good time. And that'll be based around the draft. On my SiriusXM show, you know, I do that four nights a week. On top of this show, five days a week. So that's nine radio shows a week. A couple of podcasts, usually five hours a day. Eric Edholm joined me. Earlier in the week, I think he was my best insider or close to all week long with the NFL drafts and the mock drafts, my conversation with Eric. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think Richardson's talent is befitting of a pick that high. His experience is not typically, but we've obviously seen some inexperienced guys. You know, Mitch Trubisky had 13 starts and Cam Newton had, you know, 270 college throws or whatever it was, you know. We've seen some small sample size in the past. Kyler Murray was a half starter, what have you. But, you know, Richardson clearly has some work to do. Levis took a step back in, in 2022. I get the argument that he comes with some risk, but he's tough. So is Richardson. They both have the, the, the physical skill set that really gets you excited. I mean, Will Levis is a really good athlete. I don't know if people saw that last year because of the, the, the shoulder. Uh, he had an ankle or a foot. I forgetting right this moment but you know another you know, lower body and an upper body injury that took his running game away and I don't know I mean I think there's a path to success for both but I hear you on the on the reach part you know especially with next year you're gonna lurking around the corner Drake May Caleb Williams etc you know there's, there's more risk in this group Eric Edholm is our guest you know I just can't get Jamarcus Russell out of my head because I knew he was going number one his film was unbelievable. His bowl game was better than anything Richardson ever done. And his personal workout in pro day was legendary. Scouts still talk about it today. And he was a disaster. And if he didn't go number one, 10 teams were going to take him number two. Now I know that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to flip-flop. A lot of rumors now because Arizona's got number three and maybe they trade out of it for a quarterback-hungry team. So do you think Stroud or Bryce... Young could be there at number three or both of them going one, two, either way you have it. I will not close the door on that possibility. I really won't because, mm. you know, Houston has brought in Tyree Wilson. They brought in Will Anderson, which, you know, okay. I mean, look, you say they're doing their due diligence and they probably are right. But I think there's, because they have the number 12 pick and about a zillion picks after that, I mean, they're, you know, they're well stocked on draft choices. They don't need to make 12 selections. They can, they can use some of these as ammunition, dip in an next year if they have to, right? But there's a, there's a way to do it where if Carolina takes your preferred choice at quarterback, 
your number one guy. Then you say, and it does feel like there's a little bit of a dance going on right now between Carolina and Houston. I think there is some posturing happening right now. But, you know, you just say, all right, then we're going to take Willie Anderson. We're not going to take our, you know, our second best choice that we don't love. And we'll try to trade up from 12 to get maybe somebody, if they have a similar grade on the third quarterback or, you know, not a big drop off or something like that. Maybe you can move back up to the six with Detroit or something like that. So there are ways to do it. I don't know if that's outthinking yourself or getting too cute. Maybe it is. But if you're not completely sold on a quarterback at number two, then don't do it. You know, I mean, if you think that Will Anderson could be a star and you're not 100% sure on this quarterback who's available for you, whoever it is, they, they could take that route. I'm not, I'm not certain yet, but it's out there as a possibility. Eric Edholm is our guest, NFL.com. Uh, what do you stand with Hooker, the quarterback, out of Tennessee? Because, again, I think if he was third round or late second round, the whole world would line up for him, but everybody's quarterback crazy. I don't think he's going to be there and available after 20, maybe 25. So another team would jump into the first round or trade out of that pick for another team coming in here. I think he could be the X factor. He could end up being as good as Levis and Richardson, and you don't have to trade up into the top four or five. I mean, it, you know, it's possible, right? I think, you know, he's got some hurdles he's got to overcome. He's a 25-year-old quarterback. Levis is 24. Richardson's age is a big selling point. He's 21, right? So there's so much more growth there. But it begs the question, and I don't know the answer to this. Okay? I think different people have different philosophies on it. But for an older quarterback like that, are you drafting him in the first round because you think you have to get him that high? Somebody else is going to trade up and get him? Okay, if that's the, the deal and you like him, fine. But if you're just trading up to the back end, let's say Philly at 30, or I don't know, the Kansas City would trade the, <laughs> with the draft in Kansas City. They may want to, you know, I don't know what kind of reception they'd get, but you get the idea. Trading back into the end of round one, taking the Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar, late first pick. So you get the fifth year option. That's, that's the, the other logic there. But for, for a 25 year old quarterback, does that mean as much? Because mm-hmm. most quarterbacks kind of hit their. You know, they're peaked pretty soon here. So I don't know. I mean, obviously we've seen, you know, Smith drive at 32 and other guys right. have done that. But I don't know. But maybe there could be a team that misses out on the top four or doesn't want to trade up and says, we think Hooker, even with the ACL, the age, the offense that won't translate to what we're running, maybe if in a year or two he could really be something. Who is aggressive enough to show their cards at the NFL draft and say, we're going to trade up with Arizona and give up not only our first-round pick, but next year's first-round pick to Arizona so we can get to number three to go get Richardson. And that's an, another follow-up here, Eric, is you know the team that trades up from number to number three, if they want to get Richardson or Levis, it could be number four, Indy trading up to three. Do you think the Raiders, even though the Raiders' defense needs to be rebuilt, that Josh McDaniels might want to bite with Dave Ziegler and go up to number three and move up to do it there? I think the trade possibilities are fascinating to me because there's only a few dance partners. Right. Dave Ziegler and, and Monty Austin Fork work together. You know, I mean, they, they have a history together. It would be easy to, you know, in, in, envision a deal coming together that way. And, you know, when the Garoppolo signing happened, I think everybody – but okay, they got their quarterback, but we know his injury history. You know, we know how the deal was structured. It was three years, but basically one year, you know. So uh, he's a bridge quarterback, and that's 
kind of how I'm sure Jimmy views it as, hey, I'm going to try to fight off whoever breathing down my neck, and we know how he did in San Francisco. But, yeah, I think they're in the quarterback market. I think there are more teams out there that have shown strong interest. Even the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons have brought in every top quarterback. So do I think they're going that way? No, but, you know, faced with the decision on the clock. So, yeah, keep an eye on the Titans, too. You know, they – we haven't really heard much on Ryan Tannehill's mm-hmm. future. He was banged up last year. I could see, you know, after last year dealing away A.J. Brown, maybe a, <laughs> win back some fans a little bit with a, a bold move up for a quarterback. Eric Edholm, take a look at his NFL.com. I'm really leaning on it. He has his top 100 prospects, 2.0, and it's not the order of his draft picks. He's just telling you who he has ranked number one to 100. Will Anderson Jr., the Alabama edge rusher, why am I hearing so much lately and seeing on mock drafts everybody talking about Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher of Texas Tech? Tell me a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, he's an exciting player. I mean, it, it, the scouts knew, knew all about him before the season. I mean, it wasn't really, you know, we're not used to hearing Texas Tech being mentioned as, as a, a defensive factor. But you're talking about a kid who's almost six foot six, you know, huge 36-inch arms almost, 270 pounds, got some explosion in his game. He's a better physical specimen than Will Anderson, right? I mean, I don't know if he's a better athlete because we didn't get to see him test. But, um, you know, his his final season was cut short by injury. I know his sack totals aren't, like, eye-popping in college. I think he had 17 or 18, I want to say, over four years. But, you know, his first couple years he was a reserve. The last two years he played really well. And he was, he was dominating. I think had he finished the year healthy, there might be a little bit more buzz on him. But – he keeps his pad level down and, and just adds a couple more tricks to his bag. He could really be special. I think he's he's still not quite there yet. There's still room for some growth, I think, for him to get mm. even better. So he'll be a player that'll be, I think, like Trayvon Walker last year. Look good, but you know there's there's more there. Uh last one on a player perspective. Devin Witherspoon or Christian mm-hmm. Gonzalez. Uh, what's the difference between those two? I think those are two corners that could be gone in the top ten. Yeah, big difference is size. I mean, Christian Gonzalez passes the eye test. I mean, he's just how you draw it up, six foot two, longer corner. Um, has some hitting ability. I mean, he's not he's not a finesse player, but, you know, he is – when you compare him to Witherspoon, who plays like a junkyard dog, I mean, it can easily feel that way. Now, Witherspoon is 5'11", 183 maybe, I want to say. And there was this whole question about his speed because there, you know, there were some questions on tape. Could he, you know, get stacked by fast receivers and, you know, maybe get muscled out by the, you know, DK Metcalf of the world too at that size. But he did run the other day in the four fours. That was good. That was huge for him. So it gives him a chance to be cornerback one. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Gonzalez, he just has that. The, the physical edge right now, it's just so exciting to watch Witherspoon play. I mean, he plays like an animal. I just suspect that size will will limit him in, in some ways because he's not blazing fast like a, like a Denzel Ward or somebody like that. Eric, great work. I really count on this, man. Fantastic. I love your work when it comes to NFL.com and the prospects and the draft coming up here. We look forward to having you on again, maybe right before or right after, especially after the recap with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, fun chatting with you. All right, see ya. He's really good, and he's one of the guys at NFL.com, so go check him out, and I think we might try to get him on again, maybe the Wednesday or the Tuesday, because 
a lot of the mock draft guys have their 1.0, then their 2.0, then their 3.0. They have all of these you know, additions of their mock draft because things change. You know, guys go on visits, and then the buzz comes out that a team might want that guy or a team's going to trade up to go get a guy and do whatever they're going to do. So, I don't know. I, I think everybody has the right to change their mind. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. If you're going to change your mind, go ahead and change it, but be firm with your opinion. The Rays have got 13 wins in a row, longest in their franchise history, second longest win streak to begin Major League history. I'm looking at Jeff Passan in front of me now. On SportsCenter, that's a hell of a story here as baseball is underway. And last night, one last thing before I wrap up this show and Q comes up, when I went to the Aviators game last night, I remember going to a few Aviator games last year where they were testing out the pitch clock because that was the ballpark, Las Vegas ballpark, that tested it out. But I don't recall looking at it then. I don't know why. I don't know why. But last night I watched the pitch clock. And I watched it a lot because I was sitting down the third base line. If you look towards the batter's box, the pitch clock was right there on the wall behind home plate, and you could see it. And what I loved about the pitch clock the most, the only big takeaway last night was when a batter made out and then he came off the diamond and the next batter was in the on-deck circle and finishing his warm-up, the clock started. So I saw a couple of players look to their left and see the clock, the 30-second clock, and it said 23, 22, and you got plenty of time to get in the batter's box dig in and there's still five or six seconds left on the clock only a couple times did I notice last night that it got under five seconds I didn't notice the pace of play because I left the game a little bit earlier I don't usually leave a game early I'll leave a minor league game early I'll leave a triple a game early to go watch the Golden Knights win the Pacific Division but you know I usually don't leave an MLB game early especially the big ones the playoffs in the World Series but the clock seems to be working well more people are talking about the Rays winning streak and all the good things that are happening there compared to the pitch clock not working. So that's a good sign for baseball coming up this weekend. I hope you have a great weekend with your family and friends. Last weekend was Easter. This weekend, a lot of people are getting back into their rhythm with baseball and soccer and youth sports here around town. And my buddy last night, Las Vegas golfer Brady Cannon, the great golf handicapper, said he doesn't think we're going under 70 degrees from here on out. And I said, no, nah, I have a feeling there'll be an under 70 day going forward but I'm going to get out and golf a little bit this weekend and have a good time and be ready for a huge week next week oh one more housekeeping item as we say in radio uh, Fred Bolitnikoff's golf event so when we come back and we got more and more to talk about with Freddie the countdown to that please go to Bolitnikoff.org Bolitnikoff.org for your opportunity to get into the golf tournament the golf tournament is Monday April 24th that's a big week for us because on Thursday the 27th we kick off the Raiders' coverage of the draft with all of that there. So busy times coming up here, and it's going to be great. And then we'll get to the end of April. And then May, uh, May, we got a lot of cool stuff going on in May, too. Uh, more remotes as we're getting out there for Cinco de Mayo on May 5th. And we're going to be doing a couple of remotes that week, but a big one on May 5th for Cinco de Mayo. I'll tell you all about those details there. For Bobby Machado, great week, Bobby. Bobby had his birthday earlier. Happy birthday, still birthday week to Bobby. I'm still celebrating for everybody else out there. Have a good, safe weekend. Thanks for listening all week long. Bucket of Modelo's on ice. Have a good weekend. And remember, right here, the flagship of the Silver and Black, from our morning show, the morning tailgate, all the way through to Q, who I'm throwing it to now, and all the up-to-date Raider information on the draft is really up there. Good. The digital team has it all up there. 
Levi Edwards, Eddie Pascal, Bucky Brooks, all the people that we're using there at Raiders.com to give you the up-to-date information you need on the NFL Draft. I'm JT, at JT the Brick on Facebook and Twitter. I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. Get out and do something. Get inspired. And we'll see you back here on Monday, our continued coverage of the NFL Draft. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio.